This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. There's a little bit of an extra pep in my step because I'm thrilled to have my co-host AJ Scholes back in tow. He's a great follow, remains a great follow at AJ Scholes 24 He's in the home office today in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, as we're all dealing with this coronavirus uh, uh, situate outbreak and uh, I'm sure you're looking after things on the home front AJ but you, I want you to share your exciting news with our listeners as I said I'm thrilled to have you back partner yeah it was uh was off for the last two weeks uh, if you follow me on on Twitter at all you know uh, had another girl so uh, that makes me two for two and uh, we'll call it there I'm sure uh, I'm pretty sure the wife is on board with that I'm definitely on board with calling it at two so yeah, another another little girl. So, uh, two kids at home. Couldn't figure out how to name this one after Evgeny Malkin. We just couldn't figure <laughs> out uh, how to make that work. But my oldest daughter is uh, Sydney, so uh, we went with Kennedy. It's not named after any any Penguins players. Although Tyler Kennedy did play for the Penguins, so. Um, but I did not name her after Tyler Kennedy. So, yeah, got another one at home. Literally in the home office today. Uh, if we were doing the video, I think you'd see my uh, my the bar behind me and the collection of uh, alcohol bottles that Paul gets to gets to stare at here. <laughs> AJ, as I said, great to have you back. Uh, Want to remind our listeners that they can still reach out to us, pal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously we don't have hockey uh, going on right now, but you might have some dynasty questions uh, looking into the future. Uh, we're happy to answer those uh, when we do get hockey back. Uh, Paul and I, you know, if you reach out in the morning uh, for DFS contests, you know, we'll happily try and respond in time uh, to help you out there as well. So, uh, yeah, as Paul said, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. All right, partner, on today's show, we're going to go through a number of different topics. I know that you're kicking off a series of hockey columns for Rotowire in the next few weeks, and I'm anxious to find out the focus of those. So why don't you fill, out, fill me in and our listeners on the first one and uh, what you can tell us about the focus of the whole series. 
Yeah, so I'm going to be doing a five-part series on uh, the expansion draft in, in NHL Seattle. Basically, what I will do is uh, each week for the next four weeks, uh, starting with today, the first one will drop today on the Pacific Division, I'll go through and uh, list off the players that I would protect um, for each team. We'll, I'll kind of talk about some of those decisions. Obviously, won't get into every single one. Um, you know, for uh, you know, for example, I'm not going to try and explain why Edmonton will protect Connor McDavid. That's pretty straightforward. <laughs> I don't think we need to get into that. But um, I'll you know explain what my thinking was on on a seven three one versus a four four one in terms of protecting. Right. I did. I uh, use 441 for for one of the teams. I won't tell you which one yet. And then that last, that fifth article is we'll go through um, go through that. Uh, you know the available players remaining, and we'll we'll draft a, a Seattle team. So we'll see what that looks like. Obviously, a year out, there's some things that you can't account for, like there are contract exposure requirements for all of the teams and stuff like that. But um, we'll do the best we can a, a year out. And I do want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Cap Friendly. I am using their uh, Seattle draft uh, mock uh, feature uh, software, as it were, to kind of go through this. And, and they're a great resource for everything and anything all cap related. So uh, quick shout out to our friends there at Cap Friendly as well. Absolutely, AJ. We'll talk about them uh, a little more depth a little bit later on in the show. I want to highlight a couple of resources outside RotoWire as well as uh, other topics today. So good that you mentioned them up front. They've been really kind enough to let us use their stuff, uh, talk about the salary structure of different teams, the impact of a certain player's contract from time to time is something we touch on. So I agree with you. One of the greatest resources on the web, for sure, in terms of hockey fandom. Uh, AJ, in terms of that that upcoming draft with Seattle, uh, I want to turn your attention back to Vegas, the Vegas experience. And it was the first time that I can recall that an expansion team really got a chance to draft a pretty solid team right out of the chute, as opposed to getting really the dregs of a lot of the hockey teams where they, they protected 17 or 18 players each club. And so uh, the teams were made up of fourth, third and fourth liners right off the hop. Now they, these ch- teams, uh, Vegas and looks like Seattle, are gonna have this, is going to have the same roadmap about putting together a really good team right out of the chute. How do you feel about that? I mean, I actually like it. I, I think the rules are, 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 you know, serve a purpose here. There's no reason. We already have Detroit. We don't need another team in the league that's a, a walkover here. And so I, I actually really like um, the current rules and, and how it all works. I would say the only thing, and I get why they originally did it. The only thing I would say is with how good Vegas has been, um, they shouldn't be protected from, from this, uh, from the Seattle draft. But Rules are rules. They are missing out. They don't get part of the the payment, uh, the expansion payment. So they, you know, there's they don't lose a player, but they don't get. I think it's like fifty million a club, something like that. Um, but I I do like the format because it it doesn't make sense to have just a terrible team. Now, do I think Seattle is going to be quite as good as Vegas? Absolutely not. And here's why. I think most GMs will have learned their lesson here in terms of trading stuff. Look. I don't see a scenario in which Vegas wasn't going to take Marc-Andre Fleury 
from the Penguins, right? But just to be sure, Pittsburgh gave them a 2024 round pick, which or a second round pick rather, which they're going to use uh, this year, uh, assuming we have an NHL draft. And so I think teams are going to be a little more uh, hesitant to trade away stuff like that and to make those like assurance deals, as it were, uh, and just let the chips fall where they may lie. So I do think. Uh, you know, Vegas uh, benefited a little bit from some of that uncertainty that that Seattle won't. But I think ultimately uh, competitive games is what matters. And like I said, we already have Detroit. That's pretty much a walkover right now. And so to add another team of of that kind of poor caliber, it just doesn't uh, suit the product on the ice. Well, AJ, I think that's very well said. I know that there were a lot of people in my circle of friends who were up in arms about the fact that Vegas did have such a good team right out of the shoot. But I think a lot of the credit has to go to the management team that realized, hey, we can trade a lot of uh, picks uh, and make arrangements for with teams to avoid certain players and, and take another further advantage to developing our squad by, by going that route as well. And he did a masterful job of accumulating a number of extra draft picks, which are still, some of them are still... Uh, yet to be taken they will be taken in the 2020 draft and and beyond but he did a fantastic job of accumulating all the assets and making sure there's a pipeline for this team uh, that makes them viable uh, on a continuing basis going forward so uh, the success they had is is largely in uh, attributable to to that factor as well it's it's not just the fact that as you said their teams are only uh, allowed to pick hold on to nine or eight or nine ten players uh Apart from the entry-level contracts, I think that's an exemption, too, if I'm not mistaken, partner. Uh, so uh, it'll be curious to see how the Seattle thing rolls out, and uh, that'll take place a year and a half from now, as I understand it, AJ. Is that correct? Yeah, it's my understanding. Uh, as given timeline, we're talking July of 2021 here for, for that to happen. And, yeah, you mentioned there are exemptions uh, for a handful of, of younger players, Um uh, I, I believe it is due to the entry-level contract, but I can't be sure um, exactly. I haven't delved into what uh, qualifies as exempt. But I will say the one team that benefits more than anybody else from that exemption list is the Vancouver Canucks, who don't have to worry about exposing Quinn Hughes or even protecting him. So they essentially uh, will be able to protect, uh, you know, if they go the seven and three route, that's 10 players, not including a net minor. So they essentially get an extra NHL caliber player to protect because Quinn Hughes is ineligible to be uh, selected. Yeah, AJ, you touched on another thing. We're going to talk about uh, the amateur draft as well in, a, in the next few weeks and maybe redrafting several of the other drafts that we've seen in recent years to see how well and how poorly teams did in terms of their rankings of, of the players and where they picked them. But before we get to that spot, I want to talk about our respective roles and jobs that we do for Rotowire. I'm, I've shared with our listeners the fact that I'm responsible for updating the daily matchups that we have, and that means looking at the games that are played on a nightly basis and giving a rating to certain players based on that matchup for the purposes of DFS play and, and betting on individual player performance. And so I look at the the top two lines and top two defense pairs and the goalie matchups and give uh, based on a five-star rating give a give a star rating to each of those players that i think is going to do well or could uh, be surprisingly poor in those situations on a daily basis for rotowire enjoy the work it keeps me really engaged on the nights that my favorite team doesn't play and gives me a real focus in that regard in addition you and i have both been uh 
conscripted by our uh, peers at Rotowire to represent us on the Vegas Sports Information Network. And uh, I've really enjoyed the interaction with the hosts over there where they fire questions at us about any number of topics. And I, at first I was a little nervous about it, AJ, because I like to do a lot of prep, as you know. And, uh, and the first time I, I did the thing with them, I asked them for a list of the kind of line of the questions that they were going to ask and, and what they wanted to cover. And certainly they want to focus on each game. I get that and so on. But I was looking for more specifics than that. And they gave me a, a bit of a roadmap. But I, I did the first show and they didn't ask me anything that I prepared for. So uh, you can imagine for, for a guy who likes the prep thing, uh, I was thrown a bit of a curve. I didn't. I don't think uh, I suffered for it in terms of my answer, ability to answer. Because the, the great thing about the host there is they talk long enough in informing their questions, like I try to do, to give my sidekick, you in this instance, a chance to react to those comments. So uh, it's been a really fun experience. Uh, it's not the first time I've done anything on live TV for Rotowire by any means, but I've really enjoyed that opportunity, and uh, I know the guys uh, that run Rotowire are uh, have given me free reign to say pretty much what I want about the hockey world in these formats, and I've had a lot of fun with it over years, the years, and I'm on some sizzle reels for different organizations like Sports Illustrated as a result of some of that stuff. So I've had a ball doing it, and uh, I'll take this opportunity to thank Rotowire for giving me the opportunity to, to write a little bit, to talk a little bit, and certainly to be on TV and radio a lot. And how about you? What are, what are the things that you do? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely uh, have enjoyed being uh, over on Visa in there and, uh, you know, uh, stopping in with them. That is my first uh, live TV uh, thing that I've ever done. So I really have enjoyed that with them. Obviously, you and I have been doing this for a while. But if I really flub something up, uh, we're just a podcast. We can stop and go back and re-record <laughs> it. So, uh, But I enjoyed the heck out of that. Yeah, I would say uh, every uh, to your point, pretty much every time I was on with them, they would give at least one question towards the end of the show that I would have to kind of scramble to uh, to find an answer for in my head. So, um, you know, as you said, going through game by game, that's that's pretty straightforward. You can prep for that. But, uh, yeah, they always like to throw at least one curveball in there. But it keeps you on your toes and really uh, enjoyed it. I mean, on top of that, uh, you know, kind of the media side stuff that I do, there's a ton of of things that I do at Rotowire, um, you know, I biggest and, and probably foremost of those is uh, helping cover our, our breaking news. Anytime there's a player note, um, basically, I would say Monday through Friday between you know eight and four Central Time. If there's a player news, breaking news, you have about a one in three chance uh, that that I was the one that wrote that. And so, really, uh, that's a lot of my time, a lot of what I do, just being on track of everything that's happening as it's happening, getting that information out to our subscribers as quickly as possible. Uh, on top of that, I technically, uh, we have B writers for every team just to kind of give an extra look at each team, find players that maybe need a note um, that haven't been talked about much lately. So I do that for both the Penguins and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, and then outside of hockey, I also help with some of our soccer coverage, uh, primarily helping with uh, injury news uh, from press conferences for the Premier League. Those generally are all held on Fridays, so my Friday mornings uh, are player notes uh, for those soccer players on uh, uh, in the Premier League and, and injury kind of status for the upcoming weekend. And then lastly, 
Um, I run our customer service team here at Rotowire. So, uh, again, if you send in an email uh, about your subscription or some other question about the site, there's a decent chance that I'll be the one to to uh, respond to that, and I help uh, navigate our, our team there in, in our phone call and email response. So, um, do a little bit of everything. At, you know, at least three hats at, at Rotowire, but obviously things come up. Uh, where there's you know projects for other sports that have to get done and and really uh, kind of do a little bit of everything, but yeah, those are pretty much the big three for me. Uh, AJ, I want to dive into the player notes thing a little bit. I I know Rotowire's done a great job of linking up to the beat writers for the local clubs. I would imagine that's a primary way that you get your uh, you look to those player people as your sources for writing up player notes. Uh, certainly we can talk about the stats side and say in the last five games Patrick Kane has, has amassed eight points or uh, Ryan Miller faces uh, the Maple Leafs he's had a, a very nice winning record against them over the years but it's the daily matchups uh, daily uh, depth charts I should say where uh, I, I would imagine that we lean rather heavily on those people that watch the morning skates that watch the practices and and are able to tell us who's skating with who and uh, report on on the injury side situation i'm just curious to uh, to get your slide on how you uh, that you amass that information and if i'm correct about going to the beat writers of the local clubs for for your source information yeah i mean it's pretty much that and and the clubs themselves but these days uh it's all through social media and and right. tracking uh tracking that social media um, fortunately, you know, uh, we're able to, you know, keep an eye on all that. And, and a lot of those guys are great, but, uh, while I would say that's 95% of it, um, there is some of that digging into, you know, heading over to local, uh, the Toronto sun and really trying to dive in, you know, did a reporter for the Toronto sun me- mention something in an article that he didn't uh, about a player being healthy or, or coming back from injury. Um, you know, one of the biggest priorities for us in terms of that breaking news on, on top of, you know, injuries and stuff is goalie confirmations, um, getting it out there as quick as possible, confirming it, who's going to start in between the nets uh, for that night. And so that's really a big one that we have to focus on. You mentioned the line combinations. We're constantly changing the depth charts based on morning skates and, and what those look like. Um, and then obviously, you know, the biggest thing you kind of mentioned the stats side of it, what we really try and do, um, is avoid just regurgitating stats, right? Like anybody could go, uh, to a Patrick Kane's page and see what they've done in the last five games. So to include that, uh, in the, the fan as the entirety of our analysis on, on a news portion, whatever it might be, you know, Patrick Kane coming back from injury, um, it would be easy to just say in the five games prior to getting hurt, this is what happened. But we really try and dive into, okay, Patrick Kane's back. What does this mean for his line mates? Where is he going to slot in? Is he going to be back on the power play? That kind of thing, um, which are fantasy relevant. You know, you want to know, uh, okay, Patrick Kane's back. Maybe I don't want to pay up for him in DFS, but I want to use his line mate. And so we try and provide who that might be. Uh, based on morning skates in that analysis on on that breaking news and those player notes. AJ, let's go through the Roy to Wire hockey page and talk about some of the resources and, and what is included in in the package that we offer in terms of the coverage for hockey. It's a, it's a one-stop shop, in my opinion, for all your hockey needs in, in terms of the fantasy side of the game. Of course, uh, 
people want to know about the injury situation. It's very, this is the one that I think the NHL could do themselves a bigger service by being a little more willing to share the nature of the injuries. Like, I always use the NFL as a, as a barometer, AJ. They report on the hangnails for their different players or just exa- more, a more accurate timeline. And that's a, uh, obviously because there's a lot of money being thrown down on these games and these teams. And, and other sports are kind of just starting to follow suit. But in hockey, we see all too often upper body, lower body, and really a hard, it's a hard thing to get a timeline on the injury situation. I know it's something that you feel similar to me, to me I think, but... But uh, we do list all the injured players uh, based on the reports that we get. And, uh, again, it's it's important to know who's in and who's out. And uh, you'll find it right there on tab number two beside the news on the, on the website. Yeah, I think the, the real thing for me is the, the timeline question, right? Like, I don't need to know. If you want to say upper body injury and don't want to tell me if it's a shoulder, an elbow, a hand, that's fine, but really I would like a timeline as far as when that player is going to be back. So if we can be upfront about timelines, and even, it again, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I'm fine with upper body two to three weeks. But to say, you know, oh, he's out tonight, uh, you know who's one of the worst coaches about that is Gerard Gallant. Uh, when he was with the Vegas Golden Knights, pretty much every injury we had for them uh, had to be listed as undisclosed. He would not give you any indication. Uh, and really, in that standpoint, he wouldn't tell you day-to-day, week-to-week uh, either. So that was probably the most frustrating. So really, I don't mind upper-lower body if they really feel they want to go that route. I do like that a lot of teams have been much more forthcoming about concussions. So really, I find that we've gotten at least to a point where we have three main categories that we see lower body, upper body and concussion. Um, Teams are no longer really lumping concussions into upper body injuries anymore. And I think that's definitely some progress. But for me, the biggest thing is the timeline. Uh, you mentioned, you know, we've talked a lot about the news and the injuries. Um, I'll highlight two really big, awesome features on the on the site that maybe people don't even know about. The, the first one I'll mention is uh, we did recently launch box scores uh, for NHL. Generally, you'll find this under the all NHL tab. Um, then there's a scores drop down. But you can go there. You can go to the scoreboard. Um, it'll show you all kinds of uh, stats for what happened that night um, and really give you a really good breakdown of kind of everything that happened. It's a, a real great tool. Ha- sorry, I have to go back a couple weeks to find games actually being played. Um, but it gives you, you know, who the three stars of the night were, um, who got the win. Was it an overtime loss? Uh, stats for both teams, minutes, shots on goal, um, penalties, all that stuff. So we have really great box scores on the site. This is something that launched uh, just this season. And so wanted to highlight that because people might not know about it. The other one, which is amazing for all of our season long players out there is the, my leagues feature. Excellent. It basically integrates the entire website um, to your league. Uh, you basically, you up uh, import your league onto the site, you log in and you'll have an individual page which will show you latest news and injury for your players. It'll give you a best lineup um, based on who you have for, for that night. It's got stats, top free agents in your league, um, a, a trade analyzer as well if you want to kind of uh, you know break down who's going to be there. And you can even, you know, it looks and you can select like your opponent's team. Okay, 
who does this guy have? Who's the best player that I could try and get from him? That kind of thing. Um, and then also, if you go to things like our depth charts, our player pages, um, it'll show you, is this player owned in your league? Is he owned by you? Is he owned by somebody else? So really, the My Leagues feature is great for our season-long players uh, to highlight uh, you know, your team and, and really set you up to be able to track your team even better and know what's going on there. AJ, uh, I'm going to go through a couple of other tabs that we spend a lot of time with, uh, talking about the lineups and the starting goalies. Vital to, for people to know who's playing, for sure. And uh, those updates come from the morning skates, typically, and that's where we populate the information. The starting goalies, there are other sites that really focus on this, but it's just one small part of what we offer over there. There's a whole raft of DFS tools. We talked about the optimizer at length, a wonderful resource, and I know you're fluent with that one. I'd love you to talk to our listeners about the lineup optimizer that that Rotowire has developed, one of the greatest tools in the industry. Yeah, the thing about the optimizer is you you can go and just generate a lineup, right? And it'll give you um, a pretty decent lineup. We talk about it every week uh, in terms of of our show when we have DFS contests going on. But really, for me, the things um, that you can do with it from there are really exceptional. It, there's a stacks feature where you can select, you know, I want, uh, you know, uh, center defender combinations. I want wing defender, um, all kinds of different stack combinations that you can, um, you know, work with. It has, uh, there are some, uh, you know, exposure settings is the other great one. So if you're a guy that generates multiple lineups, if you're going to generate a hundred lineups, and you don't want all of you know a whole bunch of them having Connor McDavid. You want to kind of limit your McDavid exposure to play kind of contrarian on a night. You can set, say, out of the hundred lineups, I want to max twenty-five percent of them have Connor McDavid, or the reverse. If you have somebody that you really think is going to have a great night, there have been plenty of times where uh, Kaylor Yamamoto is going to play with McDavid that night. So you say, you know what, I want this guy in 50% of my lineups. Um, You can really set that and kind of tweak those exposure settings as well. So there's a ton of great uh, features and and tools on there uh, to really help you kind of go beyond just the running the optimizer. Um, There's obviously locking in players. So any lineup you produce will have them, excluding players, taking them out. And then another kind of nice one um, of those kind of three actions, there's also a like feature, which just kind of bumps a player's projection by about 20%. And so that'll let you say, hey, I think this guy's going to have a good night, but even if he has a good night, is he good enough to be in the lineup? I'm not totally sure. I'm just going to like his projection, bump it up a little bit, and go from there. And you mentioned projections, AJ. That's another tab on the, on our front page and it talks about daily projections as you implied but also full season based on the situations these players come into uh, at different points in the year and so it really is a good thing to look look ahead and say if i was to make it it's helpful particularly in trade scenarios if i'm if i'm looking at uh, picking up a player i want to know what is our our tool project for the rest of the season for for the player x versus the player that i'm i'm trying to trade away so very valuable in that regard we talked about the depth charts feature 
We even focus on the depth charts on the power play situation. Very key uh, to valuing a player properly, particularly I find for defensemen, AJ. Not a lot of power plays involve two defensemen anymore, so you want to know who are the linchpin power play quarterbacks uh, around the league, and, and this is a site where we update that regularly. Then we talk about the articles that we have, the columnists. We have a great uh, group of writers, uh, yourself included. I've been asked to do once, one, uh, once in a while I get to do them, but we have a great group of guy, uh, peop- guys and girls that do a wonderful job here, and they've been recognized in the industry among the best uh, in the industry on an annual basis uh, as long as I've been with Rotowire, and uh, I know you feel positive about them too. Of course, we have the stats section in our podcast. Is there anything you, you want to say to invite our listeners to really consider taking a look at the, at the resource as a whole? Well, the one other thing I'll, I'll mention, um, and this is a tool that's available across sport platforms. It's not just available for hockey. But if you're one of our listeners and you just say to yourself, God, these guys don't know what the hell they're talking about. Uh, We do have an Ask an Expert feature. You can submit questions on the website, and you'll get an email response uh, within 24 hours from one of our team of experts. Uh, This is, again, something we offer across our entire sport catalog. So you can submit those questions. I'll admit not a great tool for for daily questions. So I think if you're asking for, for daily advice, you're kind of stuck with Paul and I on uh, on social media there. But if you want somebody else's opinion on a trade or some other uh, uh, season-long advice, keepers, that kind of thing, and, and you want to go outside of Paul and I, the Ask an Expert feature is a great one, especially you know uh, if you're like an NFL guy, MLB guy. We have some amazing uh, experts that respond to those questions. So it's, it's a really great tool uh, across the entire site. So there it is, folks. We've told you all about Rotowire and the resources. We hope that you bookmark that site on, on, uh, on your browser and uh, refer to it because it's certainly something that helps, me, helps put me in the winner's circle more often than not by a big margin. And I know you feel just as strongly, if not more, AJ, about it. But we've got to turn our attention now to the current landscape. I miss hockey terribly. It's been two plus <laughs> weeks, and there's been all sorts of projections, AJ, about what's it going to look like, or, or do they try and complete the season? I've heard things that uh, said that uh, teams are being asked to check their calendars for availability in the month of August, even to to complete the regular season and playoffs. If they do uh, resume hockey, first of all, I'm going to ask you: Would you like to see a completion of the regular season? Do you think it's vital to do that? Well, I'm, I'm going to agree with uh, Sidney Crosby and uh, Alex Ovechkin, who both said, nah, let's just jump right into playoffs. Now, of course, their teams are in the, in the playoff mix, so obviously uh, they, they don't think they need to. But um, I think it's more important uh, for the long-term uh, benefit of the sport to have. I know we have time off now. Players are getting healthy. But you can't just roll into – finishing you know there's going to need to be a training camp period essentially where guys get back up to speed then we have you know 10 regular season games roughly per per club and then we go into uh you know the playoffs and if we're doing a normal full playoff you're right we are going to be looking maybe as close uh to august well what does that mean then for having guys ready uh for next season and let's not forget injuries happen if a guy gets hurt in a playoff game that's being played in late July, that's probably going to affect his availability for training camp. So I do think we need to consider the long-term viability for for the sport in general and think about 
next season as well. So I, I do think we need to kind of call it a wash, um, give up those, those 10 or so games, uh, unfortunately, and jump back in to a playoff scenario. Well, and, and it leaves teams on the cusp of the wild card with a real case to say, you know, are we in or are we out? The Vancouver Canucks and the Nashville Predators are tied with 78 points after 69 games. It's going to come down to regulation wins between the two clubs, and right now that means that the edge looks like it's it's a narrow one in favor of the Nashville Predators over in the Eastern Conference. Sim, by a similar, case, similar situation, the New York Islanders have played two games less than the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you go by a team's win percentage, A.J., that means the Islanders should be the team that goes in and leapfrogs Columbus for that second wild card. So there are some logistical issues that they got to iron out. Now, I'm going to come up with a, uh, a proposal from left field that I previewed to you, and you didn't like it for one reason. That's <laughs> pretty obvious, but I'm going to share it with our listeners, and it is this. Uh, I figure, going back to the days where I started coaching hockey uh, with the kids, uh, there were the first year of House League, everybody made the playoffs. And so I'm thinking in a, in a strange year like this, let's do that too. Now we have an odd number of teams, 31 teams, so what do we do? And I say, give the first place team a bye. That's the Boston Bruins. Now certainly they would be re- without some real game action if we just dive right into the playoffs. But I say seed the, all the teams by win percentage. 1 through 31. Give the Bruins the bye, then you have 15 other series, uh, second versus 31st, third versus 30th, and so on. At the end of that round, you're going to have 16 teams. And again, reseed and go forward uh, for the next four rounds, for the next three rounds. So that's what I would recommend. It's a bit of a situation out of left field. I mean, alternatively, I've heard the more unanimous one that I've heard uh, in terms of mainstream projections about the playoff structure should be based on the team's win percentage because not all the teams have played the same number of games. And I know you've made a great point about the fact that you know, our teams are going to, players are going to be cold, not with game action and so on. But if we do try to finish the regular season, there's about 13 or 14 games on average for a lot of the teams to be played. That's just going to extend things way too far into the summer. I really don't think they want to do that. So I'm torn between the two extremes. I, I wonder what you think is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody's going to go for your for your uh, 31 <laughs> team. Everybody makes the playoffs. Look, at the end of the day, the Detroit Red Wings have not done enough uh, to warrant a playoff spot. That's just outrageous. Um, <laughs> they've, got, they've got 39 points on the year. The next closest in, in their conference is uh, Ottawa at 62. I mean, come on here. They don't need a playoff spot. So maybe you do that. If you want to do your 30 thing, maybe we don't give Boston a bye. Detroit just doesn't get to play in the playoffs. So um, (laughs) I don't think that would go. I I do think, um, you know, there is a a discussion that would have to come with your your suggestion there of uh, I don't think we're playing seven game series there for the starter. You're playing three, you're playing five. And that might be something that they have to look at regardless if they decide to add more teams to the playoff format, maybe the first round of a, of a postseason here is just going to be a five game series. And then once you get down, you're looking at a seven game series. Now I, I haven't done the math on the number of teams, but maybe there's a point threshold here that they consider. Um, I don't, again, I don't know if it'll work out for the full number of teams to give us even actually, I think it would, maybe you set it at 70, any team with 70 points. That's, Generally speaking, uh, in both conferences, within 10 points of the the wild card there, 
Um, you know, Montreal would get in. They have 71. Um, and then on the, on the other end, Chicago would get in. They have 72. So maybe there's just kind of a soft threshold here of, hey, if you have 70 points, you were within 10 points of the last wild card spot, which is about how many points you could maybe make up uh, if you had a really good run to end the season and go from there. Um, it, again, I think in this format with added teams, you're looking at five game series, maybe in the first round before we would get to seven. Um, and ultimately, I do think uh, I would be surprised if we had just eight teams from each conference make the playoffs. I think at this point, um, you know, they're, they're, they have to make, uh, to your point, the Islanders, as you said, easily in either one of the two games that they have in hand uh, against Columbus could pick up two points and be right there uh, ahead of Columbus. So I do think maybe something has to be figured out there. I'm excited to see what the NHL decides to do. Ultimately, for me, uh, I think we need hockey. And uh, I want to see the Stanley Cup awarded. I I think, you know, even if they have to end up, you know, Pittsburgh's third in the Metropolitan. So even if they say, Nope, we're having a short playoffs. Only the top two teams in each uh, division are making an, an abridged kind of short playoff series. It would obviously be disappointing for a lot of players, a lot of fan bases, including uh, myself. But I think I would prefer that over just canceling the rest of the season and not awarding the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd love to see the tradition continue in terms of a playoff run. It's the most exciting playoff structure and, and with with. The wildest of outcomes in the first round more often than not. Uh, I mean, the NBA has a similar format in terms of 16 teams making it, but uh, when was the last time you saw a, an eighth seed defeat a number one seed in the NBA? It's been a while, whereas in, a ha- in the NHL it seems to happen with some greater regularity. AJ, we are going to include a feature where we pick a, a, a draft, a recent draft, amateur draft year, uh, and go through it in terms of uh, maybe a redraft situation and and I picked the 2016 draft because it was such a watershed moment for the Maple Leafs and they went the first overall pick and in re in looking at it again uh, we use the hockey DB website which uh, I think is one of the better resource best resources on the, on the web for hockey information in terms of player background and profiles and trades and all sorts of information and i and i did a redraft based on total points by all the players austin matthews still comes out number one patrick line still comes out number two and and there's a i i think a, a decent sized gap between the two of these guys aj spend a moment talking about that because when the draft was held it was almost deemed a lot closer and i know winnipeg fans they used to chant with regularity line is better line is better well the stats so far prove that he's not but he's no slouch either he's really come together with a a good solid two-way game to his repertoire that i grown to really appreciate in his early career he's played 305 games amassed 247 points Matthews for his part 285 points in 282 games what say you about these two superstars first of all before we go on to other players yeah I mean I think both teams got it right here um you know I think Toronto um you know maybe defaulted uh, to Matthews a little bit because uh, generally centers come with higher value um than than wingers and and Obviously, all the things that they have to do on the ice outside of just scoring it, it makes sense. And so I think Toronto made the right choice strictly from that standpoint. I thought it was the right choice at the time. 
um, because he was a center, even if his point production uh, was a little bit lower. Say those numbers are flipped, right? So say Line A has 285 and Matthews has 247. I would still say Toronto made the better choice um, by getting a franchise-defining center. So um, ultimately, uh, you know, as it is, I think both clubs make the right choice. There's no other player on this list that I think would warrant being taken over Line A, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you know, maybe an argument could be made for Matthew to Chuck, but I still think Line A uh, was the lock-in at number two, and I think both teams uh, made the right call. AJ, I know you and I have taken heat from Philadelphia fans over the years. We don't want to forget we're going to lean on the skaters much in much of this analysis, but we'd be remiss in not mentioning that Philadelphia did pick up Carter Hart in the second round with the 48th overall pick. You can make the case he's one of the most important draft picks in that draft pick in that draft year, uh, based on the fact that he's really solidified the goaltending riddle that has plagued this team for the better part of the last 20 years, in my opinion. So uh, hats off to the Flyers for getting that right with a second rounder in terms of the first bust in the in the in the draft i got a look at a guy like a jesse pugliarvi aj who was drafted fourth overall by the edmonton oilers that was during their run of incredible luck in terms of getting a lot of first round first round picks top first rounders and pugliarvi was one that really hasn't panned out 37 points in 139 games played and out of the nhl he's playing in the in the uh in the Finnish league, a Swedish uh, elite league, I think, with Karpat, uh, I think it is. And uh, really, I, I don't know if there's a roadmap for him to come back to the NHL. There's been some rumors around him possibly resurfacing in the, in the NHL next year. But uh, really, he has to do a lot to rehab his image in the NHL uh, by a long shot. You mentioned Matthew Tuchuk, picked sixth overall. He He's the third highest scorer coming out of the London factory of of hockey players. I wonder if there are any other top-notch players here that you want to highlight uh, before we move on. Yeah, I mean, I think Tuchuk uh, is is a great pick for Calgary and, and has been great for that team. I I can't blame Columbus by any stretch of the, the imagination for taking uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think he's been great for them as well. And again, you're talking about a center versus a winger. But boy, could you imagine a player of Matthew Tuchuk's uh, how, how do we say uh, his his demeanor, if you will, uh, <laughs> paired up with John Tortorella? I think those two would really thrive off each other uh, and make quite the quite the tandem there. Um, you know, one player that we talked about ahead of time was Mikhail Sergachev, selected ninth overall by Montreal. Uh, I think that's a great spot for him to have been taken in, in terms of where he was drafted. The problem is he's not with Montreal anymore, and he's doing all that for Tampa Bay. Uh, so really uh, a great spot there. Yeah, you mentioned Pooley Arby as, as kind of the disappointing pick. How about number five overall? Oli uh, Yuliev, uh, I think I said that right. Probably not, though. A defenseman for Vancouver. I mean, the last thing Vancouver needs right now is more defenseman prospects. They've got, you know, Quinn Hughes. They've uh, got uh, Byram. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Colorado's with uh, Byram's with Colorado, rather. But still, I think Vancouver's pretty set on their blue line, and I don't know if there's uh, a quick and easy path um, for Yuliev to, to make it into the league. So you maybe. Uh, would have liked to see them take if they needed defense maybe they take Sergeyev uh, Charlie McAvoy went after the, him as well Jacob Chisharin uh, even a player like Dante Fabro who's uh, kind of just now breaking into the league so there's a ton of other defensemen who went later in this draft after the fifth overall pick who have really already had a big impact on the league 
you know, at this point. And I just went through and, and looked at the goalies. There's really nobody else that has played any significant NHL time right now. So clearly Carter Hart, uh, the darling of this draft in, in terms of the netminders. AJ, I'm going to throw your life rope and say Oli Ulevi is the guy's name and out of the London I Knights. I was close. You were, was close. You were close. We'll throw you a mulligan that way, but uh, he was uh, a, he's a guy that hasn't yet materialized at the NHL level, and uh, you, you're right to say not one of the better picks there. Uh, Detroit, uh, let's throw them a bone too. They, they have two defensemen in this draft who I think are going to be centerpieces of, of the rebuild there. Uh, one is Philip Ronick, and the other guy is Dennis Chalowski. Both of these guys have a bit of an offensive upside. We started to see it recently with Chalowski, but uh, Ronick has looked like the real deal right out of the gate. 54 points in 111 games. Ticketed to be the uh, power play quarterback over there for sure, in my opinion, for the foreseeable future. I can uh, anticipate upticks for the likes of Stam- Sam Steele in Anaheim. He was getting a look as a second-line center when uh, games uh, stopped being played most recently. Uh, Tyson Jost is a, is a guy that Colorado's kind of scratching their head about. They thought that he was going to be the answer to their second-line center situation. Now that they acquired Nazem Kadri, that, uh, that goes by the board. So Jost might be a guy that uh, doesn't last in Colorado beyond the next uh, year or two, in my opinion. He has an offensive upside here, uh, an outstanding scorer out in the BC Hockey League with Pentington V's, Pentington V's and uh, 72 points in 208 games in the NHL to date. A guy who's coming into his own in uh, in uh, Montreal, they hope, is Victor Mete. He has had a uh, a lot of opportunity to play with with Shea Weber, and and he's had some injury problems as well. But I think there is an offensive upside to this guy's overall game, and he uh, really got a baptism by fire. There's not too many defensemen that play in the NHL as 18-year-olds. He was thrown into the fire right away, and uh, he could be the guy that breaks a long streak of ineptitude by the Montreal Canadiens. I was telling you before we started the show, I started to look at some, did a deep dive into the recent draft histories of NHL teams, and boy, Montreal's is really checkered in terms of finding uh, finding value in the draft in, in the last 10 years even. V- Victor Mete might be the best pick that they've made in that whole time period. Um, we could do a deeper dive focusing on them down the road. It could be an interesting exercise that could not make Habs fans gnaw their fingers right down to the <laughs> down to their elbows if they if they believe what i see uh, so that's that's our look at the 2016 draft we'll pick other years going forward uh, but i thought we'd start with that one it was interesting from the top right through the first round and there were some great picks beyond that uh, certainly want to close by mentioning for my money uh, even teams that are drafting, Victor Mete was 100th pick overall, for instance. And so there is value beyond the first 20 players to be looked at in the draft. And he's just uh, maybe the signature guy from that that year that uh, produced good value so far uh, based on where he was. Jesper Pratt, 162nd overall. And he's listed as, a, as maybe the, in the top 10. He's the 8th leading scorer among all prospects. So interesting for me to look at that particular draft, A.J., Next up, I want to circle back to a couple of websites that we've talked about here, AJ, and I want you to describe to our listeners the value that you find from Cap Friendly. Yeah, obviously, uh, off the top, I, I mentioned their uh, you know Seattle uh, expansion uh, tool that they have there, and and that's really been I'm going to lean pretty heavily on that for my uh, for my article here. 
and uh, um, it's it's been a, a really great tool. And they're really in tune with all sorts of requirements in terms of uh, you know not just the expansion draft. You know, there's more than just you protect these 11 players. You know, teams have to expose players that are signed beyond a certain point um, and have played in a certain number of NHL games. You you have to meet those uh, exposure requirements as well. And so, um, you know, they're, they're really in tune with that. Obviously, for the purposes of this exercise, as I mentioned, it's too early to really concern yourself about that. Outside of that, I don't think anybody out there has a better grasp of what the cap looks like, how LTIR works, what that means in, in terms of cap space remaining. And to be able to go there and, and look at your team and understand, you know, what what it looks like for, for next season. Um, you know, we, we're talking about Montreal just now, so I'll, I'll stick with the Montreal Canadiens. You can just go on their site. Um, it shows you that the Canadiens uh, in this year's draft have one first-round pick and then three second-round picks. Uh, it shows you which team they, they got it from. You can click on those picks, and it'll show you how they acquired those in terms of trades. Uh, it'll show you their long-term contract future. So I can see right now Jonathan Druin uh, has three more years after this season, $5.5 million against the cap. Meanwhile, Max Dome will be an RFA after this season, so they're going to need to sign him. So really there's just a ton of information on – on the the players and they go beyond the full nhl roster you can see you know that every team has a a cap of 50 contracts that they can have uh, signed montreal in this case has 45 of them and it'll show you the other non-nhl players that are signed to those contracts and then even further this gets into a little bit of a gray area most teams aren't great about reporting this but you can have a reserve list that includes uh those those draft picks o- over the years uh up to 90 players on that reserve list and you can even click into there and take a look and they'll give you uh to the best of their knowledge how long those players remain on that reserve list so again uh you know looking at this team uh you know i don't see any names that would really pop out uh, that are coming up, but uh, Alan McShane, if anybody's familiar with him, I'll admit that I am not. Uh, they have until June 1st of 2020 to sign him to a contract. Otherwise, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So um, really just a ton of great information. Uh, they do so much beyond just the contract status, but uh, they do that exceptionally well, and there's no better place uh, on the on the web for, for my money uh, of where to go. And honestly, that is the other great part. Cat Friendly is a completely free website uh, and a great resource. And I will add a second resource that I lean on heavily, and that is HockeyDB. It's actually run by a guy that I've come to know through my affiliation with the Society for International Hockey Research. And uh, I'm uh, very pleased to sh- be able to share that such things as a breakdown of what these players did as early as age 16, even earlier sometimes in certain play cases. But you can go back to Austin Matthews' page, for instance, and see that in the 2013-14 season, he was 16 or 17 years old, playing for the U.S. National Under-17 team, played 10 games there, collected 12 points. 
And then the following year, he played there for three years before going to Zurich for a season. So it, this talks about the history of players before they made it to the NHL. You, you can look at, uh, it highlights where they were drafted, if they were drafted. Certainly their vital stats in terms of the year they were born, their place of birth, if you're into that, their height, their weight, a list of cards that they appear on. And then in terms of the website in general, uh, a number of other resources that they offer in terms of an alphabetical player list, uh, highlight one game wonders, there's uh, most teams uh, that they co- all the teams that they cover. There's player searches. There's sets by season. There are, in terms of trading cards, there are listings of uh, all-time records, NHL attendance, draft by year, draft by team, draft by source team, and top players by pick number. So all kinds of value uh, in in both of these websites that we lean on a lot. We're going to try and highlight a couple other websites down the road, but we'll definitely circle back to the resources from these websites uh, when we tell more stories to you in in this uh, space while while we go through this current pandemic. Uh, I want to close with another story that's close to home, AJ, and I know you know about that in my background, but I think it uh, it's time for, long overdue for me to share it with our listeners, and that's the story of real, the origin of real-time scoring. It was it, I call this story time with Statsman, so you can sit back and listen, <laughs> AJ, and, and throw in the odd clip if you want to, but over 20 years ago, I had an idea. As a, just, I was a fan, but I was a rink rat too, and I'd make my way to a lot of practices and so on uh, in Toronto, and I got to know uh, the head of PR there. His name is Pat Park. We remain great friends to this day, even though he's not with the organization. He left a couple of years ago, but a uh, key meeting with him several years ago led to the origin of real-time scoring. What that is, is I watched the game with a critical eye, as you know, and I thought way back when... Why does baseball have so many stats? You know, they they have reams and reams of stats. Hockey at the time had only goals, assists, and points, and penalty minutes. First of all, points was redundant. It's the sum of goals and assists. Penalty minutes, okay, fine. But there was no plus minus. There was no shots. There was no hits. There was no block shots. But all those things are part of the hockey lexicon today because of yours truly and three other guys that came to the NHL with that idea so many years ago in the early 90s. I pitched it to Pat, and he says, this sounds good to me. Let's call in the Leafs GM. So I got to meet Cliff Fletcher that, at that point, and he says, I love this idea. Can you go away and do some more research, come to a few of the games, track the stuff, and we'll see what the output looks like. And so I tracked about 10 of these stats from the perch in the press box with a pen, pencil and paper, AJ, marking as best I could the activity that was going on. And it evolved in such a way that we wound up doing a tour of the eastern seaboard of the United States and Canada, visiting different hubs like Detroit, Toronto, Montreal, uh, Buffalo, and uh, talked to the home and visiting teams, front offices. They loved the site. International people of note, Vladislav Tretyak loved it. He came to me personally and says, I'd love this. How would you like to come to Moscow and be part of my goalie camp? And we'll show, show this. And I said, well, we want to sell this to the entire league. And eventually we did. And so that's my claim to fame and the story of the origin of real-time hockey, the source of which they they track all the activity in the games now, AJ. It's a six-man booth where they track all manner of stuff like individual player ice time. There's one guy that looks after that. He just focuses on the boards, for instance, and watches the players jump on and off the ice and and track the the game and their performance in real-time in that regard. There's a guy that looks after the shots 
at the net. There, and he qualifies blocked shots, missed shots, and shots on goal. So, and, and there's people that track the hits. And the face-offs, won and lost. Face-offs, won and lost is an interesting one for me too, AJ, because how do you determine when a face-off is won? Is it just because the puck goes behind the center and into his own team's possession? Well, I play center too, and I, sometimes I like to win it going forward. And if I get the puck and I put it through the guy's feet, I don't want to be, be credited for a face-off loss. So these are just some of the nuances that are being tracked in the NHL and around uh, leagues all around the world, and I'm pretty proud to say that I had uh, a significant role in that regard. So that's the first episode of story time uh, <laughs> on this show. And I hope you enjoy it. I hope our listeners get a new sense for, for where that stuff started. And I'm really proud of my involvement. And it gives me the opportunity to wish a happy 88th birthday to Stan Fischler, the Dean of Hockey Writers, who's been a staple of hockey coverage in the states of New Jersey and New York for the last 50 years. He was instrumental in getting my story out with an industry paper that is called the Fischler Report. All the teams get a a hold of this, and people that are on on the inside of hockey, this is one of their real key sources for what's new and what's going on. And he was really good to me in those early days to to pitch the idea of real-time scoring, and uh, I owe him a lifetime debt of gratitude. So a tip of the hat to Stan, turning 88 years young today. Wish you many more years of good health and happiness, my friend. AJ, any closing remarks from you? I'm, as I said, thrilled to have you back. It gave me a lot of energy that I think was missing in the last couple of weeks for me. So really, really happy to have you back in the saddle, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be back. And, and the one kind of uh, addendum I'll, I'll throw onto your story is that that's going beyond, you know, obviously uh, uh, pro sports. You know, our, uh, I think I've mentioned to our listeners, I, I help coach a, a local uh, high school hockey team here. And we can actually film our games uh, and send them to uh, a service that will compile uh, those stats. Now, obviously, they're not uh, they're not in real time and they're not uh, quite as you know uh, thorough necessarily as as NHL uh, stat trackers are, of, of course. But that's something that even at the high school hockey level, we can send in that video. Um, and within 24 hours, we get back their their stat breakdown of shots. Um, and, and really they analyze the, the video for us and it's, it's a great tool. So it really has reached kind of all levels to be able to kind of track that information and know, um, you know, how your stats, stats shake up against your opponents, face off wins, stuff like that. Um, it's, it's really uh, gone beyond just the professional leagues at this point. Well, AJ, you and I are confirmed rink rats, and I think we've highlighted that today uh, in spades. So I want to thank you for for making time out of the busy schedule on the home front for rejoining me again and look forward to doing uh, similar talks uh, as we go navigate these very strange waters. In the meantime, on behalf of you, uh, I'm going to hope our listeners continue to stay safe and mind the social distancing that is required to help us get through these difficult days. We want hockey to come back as soon as possible. We want uh, return to normal life routines to come back as soon as possible. So we urge everyone who is a fan of this show to do their part in that regard. Stay healthy as well. Uh, That wraps up this episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Our next episode is tentatively scheduled to take place next Tuesday. Please remember to send any hockey questions or comments on Twitter to both of us. You can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJ Scholes 24. And as always, we invite you to listen in the podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.